You can be turning to, well, you hardly need to, um, Psalm 23. And, and of course, if you were here last week, you know that I attempted to speak on verse 6, but we got as far as surely. And, um, <laughs> well, I tried again, and we got as far as goodness this week. And so I, I want to look at that. Surely goodness and loving kindness shall relentlessly pursue me all the days of my life. And that, that's, that, it's a massive statement when you consider how David wrote it. Remember I, I said he wrote it when he was being pursued by his son Absalom and he was literally within hours of death unless there was divine intervention and he writes that psalm and if you can feel that when when death is literally breathing down his neck and of all people his own son seeking to kill him and and he writes you know Yahweh I am is my shepherd I shall not want and at the end he sums it all up with this surely that oath of God that that covenant oath that cannot change by the very being of God surely goodness and loving kindness and as I said follow is a ridiculous translation of that Hebrew word every other place in the entire New T Old Testament where that word is used it's is a a relentless pursuit it's um persons following you usually as enemies but in this case it's used to describe the pursuit of goodness and loving kindness and I suppose the translators thought they couldn't use relentlessly pursue uh, so they give us a nice gentle religious word follow he, he didn't follow it's it's a focused pursuit standing between him and Absalom is the pursuit of God's goodness Goodness, the fact is, I'm going to be probably a bit um, extreme here, but the modern believer does not know the goodness of God. The American Christian doesn't really believe the goodness of God, uh, even though it dominates the Scripture and is presented to us, you might say, as the key, if you could use that term. The key of the very life in God is to know his goodness. If you don't know his goodness, you've got no foundation to stand on. And yet I find, after decades of moving through the U.S. and the U.K. and English-speaking worlds, um, we have been trained in doubt, if if you come from the regular religious background uh, of our Western world, you have been subtly trained in doubt, to doubt the goodness of God. Well, we, we find that we've been trained in suspicion. We're, we're, we're very, we're more than hesitant. We're terrified of saying anything that might suggest that he is good and only good and can only be good and is only pursuing us to do good. There's some sort of fear inside that would be going too far. We can't go that far with God, so we're cautious. 
we, we back away, we give ourselves a, a lot of wriggle room, and, and, and certainly we try to give God some too, so that we, we don't have to actually say it, that God is limitlessly good. Uh, we never have to say that he seeks only our good under every circumstance, every place. We don't have to say that. That's too, 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 that's too dangerous. That's getting too much like this. And, and we, we don't want to go there. So we, we bring in these great religious phrases, if it be your will. That, that is, you know, I said this, but I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I can't believe your goodness would go that far. So I'm going to give you a way out and say, if it be your will, you can get away with this, and I won't be offended. I just feel very religious. And, and so we, we, you think of the incidences in life that we have separated out, that that is too much for the goodness of God to reach to. That, that goodness doesn't go there. And, and so we have been trained not to expect it. We can't expect the care of God for us to come to where we're sitting right now. And okay, let me put it this way. I was going to say multitudes. It might be more than that. Uh, of people here in the West. How can I say this? Because I don't want to condemn you. I really don't. Uh, what is, is. And we could start moving from there without condemnation. But there are multitudes whose, and I say faith, began with fear. That's how it all started. Uh, I find that multitudes, I, I say, came to Christ because they were terrified of hell. And, and that's how they arrived at being a Christian, because they have an innate terror of the future and hell and others came i remember speaking with one who was a drug addict a very bad drug addict and they had come with this fear that if they ever ever touch drugs again then god's wrath and anger would come against them and when as i taught them of the love of god and the goodness of god they put up their hands they said don't tell me that I want to keep my fear so that I will not go back to drugs. Well, you know, that doesn't ring true in the Bible. That's, that's not Christianity. God bless you. Don't get condemned. It's okay. You're here. You're hearing this. And, and he's taking you from here. But you see, um, the, the, these last months, I don't know if you've heard it. I've heard it over and over again. Well, you know, now, now it, it's the rapture is about to take place. We're out of here. And their whole attitude toward what's happening is fear. We're afraid of what's happening, and we've got to get out of here. Uh, you try and find that in the Scripture. It's not fear of getting out. It's rather of goodness leading me through. It is goodness on either side of me, sustaining me, upholding me, not let's get out of here. Uh, but, but that's the fear and I look at the American church and I say, what on earth have you got to offer to anybody in these days? Nothing but the fear is all coming to an end and we're getting out of here. Uh, that, that's, that's, you say, what I mean. Um, the, we, we, it says the goodness of God leads us to repentance. And you know that word repentance, 
I think you've got it. I mean, forever flush that down the toilet. The, the word repentance is a hideous, hideous religious word. The, the Greek word metanoia means a radical exchange of mind. And that, that's, it's not talking about, woe is me, I did wrong, oh, poor me. No, uh, it, it's a change of mind, metanoia. And it says the goodness of God leads to metanoia. It leads you to a radical change, exchange of mind. It's the goodness of God that does that. Uh, whereas what I hear in many places is that repentance leads to goodness. I heard a pastor say it just the other day that, that he, he said, well, you know, now she's repented, God can love her. What absolute damnable paganism. That is not the case. It is God's love. It's his goodness. It's his tenderness that leads us to repentance. But we've got it backwards. And that destroys all of our foundations of our assurance, assurance with, with him. And so, um, and you see, if you, if your salvation, if you want to call it that, if it began with fear, it's got to be sustained by fear. You ever thought about that? That, that's why many times to go to Sunday service is only to be condemned all over again, because that's the only way to keep you straight. You, you've always got to have fear. You'd always got to wonder, my next step could damn me, and I've got to keep on the street. Well, Again, that's nothing to do with the New Testament. Even the Old Testament, which is indeed old compared with the New, the New is even better than the, the, the Old. And he says that goodness and loving kindness is the very foundation of my life. And it pursues me. And so what I'm saying, let's be frank about it, is seeking to destroy the entire religious system as it stands. Because it's chaos absolute chaos of nonsense and to bring us back to the faith in the glorious goodness the limitless goodness of god and to come back there brings us to a solid foundation that you can never be moved from and david let me come back to the text proper that david reveals not only here but all the psalms that he wrote at this time Right? Are you, you with me? There was this time being Absalom's seeking to kill his father. Well, during that time, David wrote more than one psalm. And it's interesting, many of them are the psalms you never forget. Uh, psalm 23 being the, the leader of the pack. But also Psalm 27, he wrote at that time, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Though a host come against me to eat up my flesh, in this will I be confident. Then at the end, he tells you how he could say that. He said, I would have despaired unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. He said, that's how I could say that. That's the foundation. It's the same thing he says in Psalm 23. It, it's, it comes all through. This is his key. This is how he lives. This is how he can be confident. This is his assurance in the middle of the worst of circumstances. God is good. Now, where have you heard that before? God is. New Testament says God is love. And I've told you many times before what 
is, the is. We, we would tend to say God has love or God is loving. Uh, no, it doesn't say that. It says he is. And when you say is, it comes down to your very being. It, it's your essence, my isness. It, it's in the same verb conjugation as I am. I am. And I am being the very name of God, but in that same conjugation of verbs is, is part of it. And so God is good. God is love is not speaking about an occasional attribute. Um, I was in New Orleans one year around February, you know, the carnival, the Mardi Gras. And uh, I wasn't ever Mardi Gras, but they, they were assembling and some dear people, and they, I know they were in, doing their best uh, as probably new believers, but they had big sign up as they're singing Christian songs on the street corner. And the sign says, God is in a good mood today. Uh, sort of coming, you know, while this offer lasts. <laughs> uh, but they're saying what many people think, that God has a mood. There are no moods in God. Is forbids a mood. Is means is, and is is always is. And he is unchangeably who he is. And so when the scripture says God is good, it means it's always the way he is under all circumstances, in all places. He is, he is, and therefore unchangeable which means I can trust him without even a thought. I can jump in his arms without wondering, is he going to catch me? Uh, we don't have to ask him to be good in a situation. You, you don't have to have a prayer meeting that simply recites to God everything he said he is and then ask him to be it. No, we, we, there's a lot of things we just relax back into. He is, and that's the end of the play. It's the end. Whatever I'm feeling right now, my feelings have got to bow to his is. Whatever's out there right now has got to bow to the fact of his is. This is the foundation. And, and I mean, just let me throw a few at you in Chronicles. 1 Chronicles 16 and 34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. That means the foundation of all praise and all thanks, its foundation, the stage on which you play it out, is that God is good. Deuteronomy 30 says, Then the Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the work of your hand, offspring of your body, and your cattle, produce, for the Lord will again rejoice over you for good. That is, he, in fact, did you, you know, the term rejoice means to leap in the air and spin around. That's what the word means. Um, and, and so if you can imagine the triune God spinning for sheer delight that he's had opportunity to be to you all he wants to be and has blessed you. And notice how materialistic that is. He said, prosper you, and then gives the list um, in your in your family, the offspring of your body, the offspring of your cattle, and then the, the produce of your ground. This, he said, your whole business world, I want to invade with my goodness and rejoice as I see you rejoice in my goodness. 
Psalm 27 that we have already quoted, I would have despaired. It's a great verse. I would have despaired. He said, there's a limit. I, I, would, have, I would have lost it. I, I'm going down. The ship is sinking. I would have despaired unless this was the key. Unless I had believed that I would see. This isn't some in heaven when I die. I would see the goodness of the Lord right now in the land of the living, not not in the land of the dead, the, right here and now. He said, I'm, that's what keeps me. He said, I would have despaired if I'd have looked here or there, but it was this that kept me. And, and then, you know, Psalm 34, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Notice, is good again. Psalm 25, good is the Lord. Psalm 75, surely that word again, God is good. Psalm 106, give thanks to the Lord. He is good. And Psalm 145, the Lord is good to all, which is something else that is amazing in the scripture that um, his goodness is not limited to believers. Now that's upsetting. Um, but it says he pours out his goodness upon the just and the unjust. It isn't that some fields get rain because God likes them, and so he's good to them, and the others are desert dry. No, he says a rain he pours out upon the just and the unjust. He's good. Get the feel of it. He's good. But what does good mean? That's the trouble. What does good mean? I asked myself that question. And I felt like an idiot. Good means good. <laughs> good means good. I don't know another word to say instead. So we say it was a good day. What do you mean by that? He's a good person. Have a good day. Um, that looks good on you. You know what? Give me, what, what is this we're talking about? I kind of know what you mean, but you're talking about a very nebulous idea, and we're talking about the very being and essence of Father and Son and Holy Spirit. I'd better know what this means. What is good? Well, first of all, it's relational. Good is not to be understood as sort of a vague niceness, you know, where God is good, you know. He's, he's, he's good. No, goodness is, goodness is something you do to somebody. And I mean, if you're really going to bring it down to what it means, goodness is something that you are to another. It is something that you actually minister to somebody. There's a, there's a connection here. Goodness is relational. It's not a concept. It's not a virtue. You know, he's good. And so many times that means he's untouchable, he's unapproachable. Now, if he's really good, he'll be in your face. It will be a connection. Good. And, and so God is good Maybe, and I say maybe, I, I think it is, that God is good in the Old Testament is now brought to his fullest expression as God is love in the New Testament. Because you'll hardly read of love in that way in the Old. It took Jesus 
to reveal to us that love and to be that love. And in so doing, he brought goodness, everything that goodness means under the greater umbrella of agape, the love of God, which again is relational. You can't love somebody in a vacuum. Love demands another person to be loved. It's relational. That's love. And so love, agape, uh, goodness originates in the personal relationships within the Trinity. So to, to say what is good, same as what is love, I can't go to the dictionary first of all. I have to go back to the Holy Trinity and it is the way the Father is to the Son. It is the Son's response to the Father. It is that Holy Spirit in whom it all is. It's the relationships of God inside of God. And and that is relational to limitlessness. And as we've said before, he opened, the Trinity opened to us. God opened his love that he would create us in order to love us and be good to us. That is, he would share the relationships of the Holy Trinity with us. Now, that's the beginning of goodness. It's the ultimate relationship. And that opening was in Jesus. He is God from God. And from God means that everything God is, Jesus is. He didn't overhear it. No one taught him. He is it. And he is the goodness of God. He brings it right inside our humanity. Now, that's the beginning. And, of course, that's a wonder. There's a part of me that could stop right there and, and just enjoy it for the rest of the, uh, the wonder of it, that, that amazement. You stand outside of yourself quite mindless that God's goodness is God being that to us. Do, do you get it? I'm trying to... I tell you, it, it's, it's not a vague, disconnected idea. Oh, God is good. Oh, God is good. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But that's got to happen at your kitchen table. That's got to happen when you're going to your office. It's got to happen when I'm threatened all around me with plague. It's got to happen when all hell seems to have broken loose. He is good to me. He is good to mine. He is good to the human race. He's good. And it's spoken of and you could miss it, but it's spoken of as an energy. It's a personal energy, goodness, where it says all things work together for good. That word work there in the Greek language is energia. It's energy. Goodness isn't just, well, I've got nice little plans for you. It is that there is released into your life and work, mind, imagination, there is released a creative energy that is goodness. God's own goodness released into you. Or what is it? He who began a good work, 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 work in you. A good work, work, energia. He who began a good energia. Do you, do you realize? Well, how, how can I put it? You, you, you are, we are, we is, we, an energy field of goodness. See, God isn't good 
God is inside every one of us and in every one of us not sitting in an armchair but the energy of goodness to bring to pass the goals of goodness that's who God is if you if you you live in a vast ocean if you prefer that but what it is wherever we turn inside outside underneath over above I am in this energy field this vast ocean of God's and you see goodness is not some sort of religious museum again I, I've been around it you know you go into the museum and there it's in a case you know it's just, for, just for looking big sign don't touch means it was for somebody long time ago it's very interesting but don't touch it it's disconnected to where you live you stand on this side of the barrier and you look at this thing in the museum and go home and talk about it maybe it was a marvelous thing but it's the best you can do i mean that isn't that sunday service for many people go to the museum near observers move along please move along please you know take a good look and move along and come back next week don't forget the box of the door it's Hey, that is a caricature, but is it? (laughs) No, 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 not at all. Um, His goodness, this energy, this personal energy with the face of Jesus in the Holy Spirit, this goodness causes wonder. That, that is the wow of the gospel. That is, as we talked before, the amazement with the Greek word, which means to stand outside your brain uh, and you've lost orientation, you're overwhelmed. Wow. Uh, that's used over and over again in the gospels. That, that's, the, that's what this is all about, amazement. I mean, are you amazed? Seriously? You don't have to put up your hand, but... Uh, Are you amazed that the triune God, Father and Son and Holy Spirit actually resides within you and you within him? Right down to the minutest expressions of that. He describes his goodness, what is it, Matthew 5? I think so. Where, where it describes the goodness of God as a God like who, who is Father giving good gifts to his children. Now, now think about that. When you give gifts to children, you do so with an eye to seeing the delight on their face. I, I'm sure you had those Christmases where they gave you a much-needed pair of jeans. And it was, you know, it was very necessary. But you don't give necessary things to children. That's cruel, you know. I know they needed socks, but you could have waited till January for that. It's, no, when you give to children... Your, your delight in giving reflected in the delight on their face for something that in one sense is not necessary, but it brings delight. Right? That's, I think that's true in all ages. He gives good gifts to his children. And really, you know, there's, it's there. Why, why did Jesus feed the 5,000? 
They weren't dying. They weren't starving. I've been there. And some of you have too. Up there in the hills overlooking the Galilee, you can see Capernaum across the lake. You can see Bethsaida. Um, yes, it would be a bit tough. You're hungry, go walking. But, I mean, we're not talking uh, about worldwide starvation. They, they were just in a fix, but Jesus seems to have delight in, in feeding them shall I say, a divine picnic. It's, do you follow me? Don't get so religious in thinking that there's some massive message here. The message is, he likes you. He wants to have a food with you. And, and so he multiplied the loaves. And again, the water to wine. You, you realize that the wedding feast could have gone on. I mean, we're not talking about an absolute disaster. In fact, the disaster was in superstition. It was, a, again, if you've been to Cana up there in the, the hills around the Galilee, and in Cana, it's, it's off the track. They, they were a superstitious bunch. It's something like Bandera. It's a hill country, and Cana's up there and a bunch of hillbillies, and... They had a superstition that if you ran out of wine, the marriage is dead. Well, so, got to get these people educated in more spiritual things and to realize it's not so. No, Jesus joined them in the superstition because he loved them. This is no time for a discussion on this. He said, no, I know, I know the hell you're going through if you find out you've run out of wine. And so he dare I say, just for the heck of it. He gave them 180 gallons of the best Cabernet. You know, it, <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was, but do, do you understand, we're not dealing with tremendous necessity that's going to move the heavens and the earth. Yet it says that at that point he showed forth his glory because that is the glory of God that he loves us in the minutiae of life. He loves us even when we're so stupid as to have superstitions like that. It's okay. I'll join you where you're at. That's our God. That's our God. That's, that's the amazing thing. Would my God do that? Is that my God that would join me in my kitchen, in my office, when I'm facing situations that otherwise would be anxiety? Is this my God? that just loves me so much he joins me and goodness does things before I've even known about it. I, they, they ate the meal and then they said, where'd that come from? It was that sort of thing. And, and they didn't know that he turned the water to wine. He kept that a secret because that's the way he works. He's, he doesn't have a magazine to take pictures of all his miracles. He, he, just, he just does it and that's goodness, kindness, gentleness. That's the way he is, and causes us to delight in that. And so he, he reveals himself. He reveals himself right from the beginning. As, as When I say reveals, you know what I mean? He had to tell us who he is, because otherwise we never would have believed it. Uh, you see, um, we would never believe... Think about it. As a normal, out there human being, even religious human being, 
You'd never believe that God is good. If you ask the average religious person who knows anything, they, they will say God is holy. But their idea of holy is based on their pagan ideas of God. Because when they say holy, they bow their head. And it is holy. Um, because holy means he's remote, he's separated, he's, he's too holy to look at me. Well, that's pagan. Um, but that's their idea of God, who is God. That, or um, if you're not so religiously educated, it would be God is all power. He's the ultimate superman. He's the ultimate Spider-Man. He, he can dance from the stars and do his miracles. That's more like the God people believe in, sort of. But good? That, that almost seems wimpy, you know. I, I would, God was tossing universes around. That seems like God. But to say he's so good, he makes sure your wedding is okay. Um, no, he had to tell me that. He had to reveal to me the limitlessness of the span of his goodness because we would never have thought of that. And that is his glory. It's amazing. Moses said to God one day, do you remember, show me your glory, the radiance, the very unspeakableness of your essence, who you really are, show it to me. And God said, yes, I will. I'll cause my goodness to pass in front of you. Your goodness? That's who you are? Yeah, we would never have thought of that. But God revealed it to us. And I come back to it again, okay. I still haven't said what goodness is. Not really, sort of. But what is goodness? It covers such a multitude of expressions, it's very hard to put your finger on it. Like I've already said, you look good. It's been a good day. It's been a good year. Uh, we, we, we mean a lot of things behind that word good. But it's very nebulous, because what you think is good, I might not think is good at all. Someone looks out of the window and it's raining and the sky is dark and they say, it's a bad day, bad day. And the farmer down the road claps his hands and it's a good day. Then, okay, I'm left with nothing now, nothing. I, I don't know what the word means. What is goodness? Uh, it's describing the very person and the action of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and describing that taking place inside our lives. And therefore, what that is, is the highest and the best and most glorious, because it is God acting inside of us. But I, I need more than that. I, I need more than that. God is good. Well, it's the sum total. If it's his glory, it's the sum of who God is. So it would include a lot of other words, and it would be very much like love. Remember, love is patient. Love is patient. Goodness is patient. 
Impatience is because we're locked into time. Don't you realize I've only got another half an hour to tell everything, so I've got to get on with this. I've got to get on with this. Well, with God, there is no time. He invented time, and so he's above time. He's got all the time in the world. And, and, And therefore, if you don't get what I'm talking about today, it's okay. He's got all the time to love you and show you his goodness until you get it. So so stop being impatient with yourself because goodness is patient. Goodness, love is kind. And do you know what the word kind means? That's a good English word, but we rarely know what it means. Kindness is being useful. That's the meaning of the word. To be kind is to be useful. It is love being just what I need it to be right now. So when you're kind to the old person and help them across the road, that's exactly what they needed right then. That's what they needed. Your steadying arm. You were kind. You were useful. Goodness is useful. Goodness comes just where I need him to be. And he is that. He's not jealous, it says. Jealous. Have you ever thought of God being jealous? I would think it to hear some people. They, they, they speak as if God grudges us having his blessings, that he hands them out very grudgingly, because as if he's jealous that you would get too much and be something like him. I'll leave that. Love does not brag. That's why we're having such a problem with this, because God never brags. He reveals who he is. But you see, it's the pagan God that says, grovel, you piece of dirt. Come down there and praise me because I'm so great. God never says that. He comes down there with you and says, would you please get up so we can talk face to face. And and so God doesn't bring, goodness is never on show. Good Goodness never makes a shazam. As I say, he doesn't have a magazine with pictures to say how good he is. That is, it's not arrogant. doesn't come boasting of what it's done. You look back and say, where did that come from? He snuck into your life. He was good and was pulling back before you'd ever noticed what had happened. He doesn't act unbecomingly. It's not rude. He doesn't make an idiot of you. He never smiles with a sneer. He's not arrogant. Goodness is so kind, so gentle, so patient. Always, always, surely, surely you can bank on that. He will never be any other than this. He doesn't seek his own. That's amazing. God doesn't seek his own. Got to glorify God. Well, up to a point, of course. But the fact is, he's seeking to glorify you. You might go along with the plan. It's... He doesn't act unbecoming. He's not arrogant. He doesn't seek his own. He's not provoked, which in plain English means he doesn't get pissed off at you. He's not forever annoyed with you. He's never ever picking. He's not fussing over you in a negative way. No. He's good, you see. that's He's good. Do, do you get somewhat of a picture? And then, of course, he doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. Have they ever read this out there? 
I thought he kept a book of everything I ever did wrong. And then he's going to read it to me one day, isn't he? I thought that just before he, well, forget. But it says in the scripture, love does not seek his own, does not take into account a wrong suffered. So he doesn't even remember what you did wrong. Think about that. That's goodness, you see. That's goodness. And you can say, surely, surely, on the oath of God, this is who he is, surely. Well, well, what about Galatians? The fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings with him love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness. That means it's all part of that family. Where you have goodness, you have love, you have joy, you have peace, kindness. That's God. Kind, gentle. Fullness of compassion. So when Jesus described himself, he said he was the good shepherd. Good shepherd. And then went on to say what that good shepherd looked like. Always associated with stupid lost sheep. Going where the sheep was. Having compassion on the sheep. Putting it around his neck and carrying it home. That's goodness. That's goodness. Tender. That would be a good word to describe the shepherd's side of good. Tender. Soft love. Tender love. Do you know what I mean? There are some people you wish they'd stop loving you. Whenever they do, they let you know. <laughs> Please. I prefer the the tender love, the gen the mother love of God. And so goodness what goodness has locked into it the ideas of bountiful. It was a it was a good harvest. It means there was an abundance. Uh it, it means actually one way of translating it would be wealth and it would mean richness and fullness. That that's always goodness brings that. The religious world always thinks of holiness and being right with God as poverty. Poverty is part of what we were raised with. And I don't mean necessarily in, in poverty extremes of, of clothes and food, but we were raised with a po poverty mentality that God is not into too much. He'll never give you too much. It's just, you know, he had a hard job giving you that much. It's, there's always the, the feeling of not enough is very good. Then you're, you're holy. If you get a patch in your jeans, because nowadays you'd pay extra for that, but in the old days it meant you were, you were repairing your jeans. But, uh, that was a sign of holiness, you know. The, the store where the good Pentecostal shopped was, you know, Salvation Army, because that's part of, you don't have a new car, you don't have anything new, you don't have an experience of God that makes you glow with glory. That you, no, 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 always just not enough, not enough. That, that's, 
Whereas the word good has written into it ample supply. It's written into it your desire fulfilled. God is not on a budget. It, goodness means extreme. And he always gives more than enough. You know, and some of us, we were raised at the end of the Depression uh, and, and during the war years. I remember my grandmother bending over me saying, you clean that plate. Remember all the poor people dying in the Gobi Desert? And I said, they could have my plate. I, but, <laughs> but that's how we were raised. It was always that, that we don't have enough here. There's never enough. You've got to eat what you can. Jesus would have sent my grandmother into the loony house. I mean, he fed 5,000, and there were 12 enormous bread baskets left over. Left over? And I say it again, 180 gallons of wine. He made uh, that, he says, the, he gives the, the how much water was in each of the, um, whatever they are, <laughs> uh, now that's too much. They're going to have leftovers. You realize his blessings always are too much. You have leftovers to shower on other people. That's good. That's the goodness. His good is wholeness. Do you remember at creation? He, he saw all that he had made and he'd done it every day. He says he saw and he said that is good. That is good. That is good. And then when he saw all he has made, he said, it's very good. What, what's he saying? He means it's whole. It's everything I intended it to be. It, it is a cabbage that is according to the blueprint. There's no disease. It's not twisted and warped. There's nothing wrong. It is whole. Yeah. It, you could say goodness is holistic. It covers everything in terms of wholeness and health. So Jesus, Acts 10.38, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's a sum of the whole life of Jesus. That's good. So there is a personal force energy working in me and you now that is always pro-wholeness. It's always to bring your spirit to its fullest potential, to open your mind to receive the revelation of God, to send your emotions into joy unspeakable and full of glory, and to get into every cell of your body and be your health and strength. So that's goodness. It's create. Surely, surely, that's your goodness. If you wonder why I keep saying that, listen to last week. It's um, so it includes this idea of prosperity. Well, I, and I, I want to stay on that level because sometimes you can make this so ethereal that it's of no use. That goodness shows up. It's God doing love for us in the oddest places. And there's a verse in, in the third epistle of John and verse 2 where he says that he's praying that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That word prosper 
it doesn't really mean what it means in English today. Because English prosperity can mean just having a good bank account. Uh, Biblical prosperity, and especially the word used here, it, it speaks of an inner prosperity that comes up through your whole being and then it affects every part of your life. And, and so you are prosperous. And it was described by people in that day, this word would be prosperity on the road. They used it to describe traveling through life as on a journey. And you're on a road. But you'll travel with success. You'll be prosperous as you move through life. And, and that means that the... Um, it will be unexpected. Goodness will unexpectedly show up in your life as you travel. Our normal mindset is, I bet something's going to go wrong. You know, we've got to check all the possibles because the way it is, you know, it's Murphy's Law. <laughs> and, well, would you get rid of that? It's No. He says, on the road of life, you will be successful in your destinations. All will go well. It would mean you have favor with customs. You know, you get, it's, you look back and say, boy, that was easy. You, you, goodness was there. You're saying you're constantly attended by goodness. Even in H-E-B, it's, you're, you're attended by goodness. It isn't just certain holy places. It's, you have success, you have favor. You, you have a life where your hassles and your troubles, you've always got goodness there to walk you through. Because it covers health, it covers your work, whatever that is. It covers your family relationships and joy and pieces. That's where it shows up. It covers money. Yes, it does. It covers material stuff, possessions. Everything you put your hand to comes from this inner place where you, one with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, actually eat and taste of goodness and then expect it and take it just like picking ripe fruit of a tree. Good. It means attractive. Again, we use that. You're good looking, you know. <laughs> Boy, she looks good. It's... It's a way of saying attractiveness, but that is reflected in the scripture. And, and um, goodness is pleasant. It's a pleasantness. I have a good feeling about this place. It's, it's got that pleasantness attached to the senses. It's something delightful, something beautiful, something that is so harmonious. It actually produces a song inside of me. Goodness produces melody in life. And therefore, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in songs and hymns and songs given by the Spirit. In everything, give thanks. Now, there's a life. And, and you're not giving thanks to God for something. You're giving God simply because God is God. I hope I get there. I don't know if I will, but we get there next week if I don't, because it's, there's, 
What were they doing in Acts 16 when in the innermost dungeon they were singing so loud? They were not saying, okay, Silas, if you just sing a bit louder, uh, we might get this thing done, you know. We're, we're confessing deliverance here, and so let, let's sing so the walls will fall down. They were singing praise to God because, God, you're so good. And I don't know what aspect of his goodness they were singing about because I'm on the outside of that. And it doesn't look good in there. But um, they did. They sang. The the fact the walls fell down would be the biggest surprise they ever had. They weren't doing it for that. Actually, we use this term, don't we, for um, aged wine. Well, I know some of you wouldn't know that. But, um, yeah. Aged wine is a good wine. It's a good wine. When you hear a wine connoisseur say it's a good wine, it means aged. It means you're going to remember this taste. It's it's a good wine. It means it's rich. It's pleasant. Um, on the tongue, it has a harmony of different tastes. Have you ever heard one of those wine connoisseurs? Or like, there's a hint of this and a hint of that. And, that's that's what they're talking about. There's no harshness. There's no bitterness. It's a good aged wine, and, and it's used in the Bible. It's used good. He's used to describe it. Think about that. Goodness comes to you from the ages of ages of ages. This goodness wine has been in his wine cellar since before time began. It's aged, rich. It's got the fullness of God in it. It brings pleasure and delight, and there's no harshness and there's no bitterness. Surely I say that. This is your life. Why do we call it the good news? Because this is what this news brings to us. And you see, faith is waking up to this. It's an awakening to what I'm saying is true. Um, unbelief is contradicting this revelation or putting the brakes on or putting limits where there are no limits. It's denying his goodness. It's holding him in suspicion that I'm not sure that you're going to be this. I can't rest my life on it. You might let me down. But faith is awakened, awakened to the surely, the unchangeableness of this, the impossibility of unchangeable. This is who God is. And the good news is that he has shared this with us. Notice my past tense. He has. He has brought this to us in Jesus and so we have a metanoia, a radical change of mind that we now expect this. In, in the best sense of the word, we now take it for granted. That's not always a good expression, but this time it is. I can take it for granted because it has been granted to us in Jesus. So I can take what's been granted. This is so. 
That's probably the hardest thing I've said. Because all we want to do is present our alleged goodness to him to kind of get him working. But he is good, which means he owns his goodness. He's not selling shares. There's nothing ever that you or I can do to make God good. Because he is unbeginningly, unlimitedly, unconditionally, absolutely good. Then all I can, if I can't make him good, surely if I do something bad, he'll stop being good. No. The church takes a lot more passion about sin than God does. That's going to get me into a lot of trouble. No. But we, we, I mean, you sin, you're out, finished. Whereas if, if you're kicked out, God comes with you. So I know, I know the pastor can't stand your sin, but God doesn't seem to have a problem. He's going to come with you and redeem you and bring you back. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way it is. That's the way it is. So we don't present our good. He owns his goodness. He gives it to anyone he wants, and he's wanting to give it to all of us. So. And we know this. We know this. Let me. We always get to this, don't we? Then then couple of minutes and I've got 15 minutes to say but we we have reduced God's goodness to what he does and we've forgotten God's goodness is who he is and we judge God we define his goodness by what he does or doesn't do so you say, I, I wanted this whatever. If God was good, he would have given it to me. You call God good when this is going on? It, that's No, we've missed it. Missed it. God is good. We trust in his goodness, and he will walk us through whatever circumstance we are in. And along the way, yes, there will be the delight on his face as he surprises you. But we don't hold the cards. We don't say, if you don't do this, then you're not good. No, he's good. It's the same thing the devil did it with Jesus. It's his favorite strategy. And so many people fall for it. You know, the father said to Jesus at the River Jordan, this is my beloved son. Six weeks later, in the desert, facing Satan, Satan says, if, if you're the son of God, I know what you heard, I know what I heard. It's a bit much to believe, isn't it? If, 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 if you're the son of God, do a trick or two. I, I think I <laughs> said the devil. I think I could believe you're the Son of God if you turn those stones into bread. That would be, be very convincing. Yeah, yeah. 
If you can turn stones into bread, you're the son of God. And Jesus says, get lost. My father spoke and that's the end of it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Father. But I still hear it. It's here today all around us. If God's good, then why this? Meaning, if you're good, do us a trick. Come on, come on. Then then I'll believe you're good. I I remember when I was in Africa, and we were pretty out there in the bush, and you know, you might have, but there are no highways through the jungle. There, there are no marked pathways, really. Not really. Uh, not that I could see, anyway. <laughs> and, of course, there are no maps. And Siri doesn't work there. It's uh, What I mean is, if you're in the jungle out there, you're pretty much on your own. You'd better know where you're going. And I asked the missionary in this particular village, you know, you're your missionary, don't you have maps of this place? I mean, don't you have a compass even? And no, but I said, I've got to get to this place. So he called over this little kid couldn't have been more than 10 or 11 and and, you know just a a torn pair of old shorts he picked up somewhere and he said he'll take you and I (laughs) the jungle's a big place and that kid doesn't look like he's beyond playing with toys and the kid picked it up and, and in the You know, we called it Pigeon English. It's the English of the natives. He came and he said, Pa, which means exalted father. Pa, I am the map. I am the path. Follow me. (laughs) And he went off. I followed him. And I could have looked at the jungle and be terrified because there's no way through that I could see just repetition of the same and of course we confronted potential dangers with animals and snakes and that kid knew it was coming and would take us off track and he would point out after the fact this is why we went here and he took me straight to the destination I never forgot that Never forgot that. And I had other experiences with guides, not only in Africa, but other parts of the world too. And and you you are never thinking about what you're going through, nor nor do you ever give advice to the guide (laughs) and say, now, it looks pretty bad up there, and I think you should. In fact, I'm asking you, would you? No, you just hang in there behind the guide. And I was um, in the mountains of Oregon, Cascade Mountains. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but there comes a point on the road where it says, no maps beyond this point. That is, you're entering unmapped country. And we went in there and I had, this is this is in the States. And I, I mean, I had a guide with me. It's just a 
local pastor, but he knew his way around. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't like to be lost up there. Uh, but my only thing was keep your eyes on him. What he says is not do I understand it and never present a better idea. Never say yes, but you just keep in behind. Do you realize in life there are no maps? The only map we've got is Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. And the Holy Spirit is my immediate guide. And the goodness of God is that he walks me through it. It isn't that I throw out a challenge and say, if you do this, then I'll say you're good. No, goodness doesn't do stuff and say, now, are you satisfied? No, goodness says, come with me. We're going to face this together. David said it in the psalm already. This is a summation of the psalm. Already he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. He didn't say, if you don't deliver me from the valley of the shadow of death, I won't believe you. No, he says, we're going through. We're going through. But I, I've, I'm, I'm trusting you, and you are taking me through. Goodness takes you through, and on the way does the most delightful, unexpected things. But I, I'll tell you this. Probably edit it out, but... Um, one thing I might have told you, well, it's too long a story. I just start at the end. Um, I was, we were deep in the Zimbabwe jungle and I had with me one of the wardens, game wardens, and he was taking me back to camp and I could see the smoke from the campfire. We were just, I mean, it was there. And as we emerged out of the jungle, there was this great plain, you know, grass. They called it elephant grass. And there were about 400 elephants there. And over there I could see, I could see, there, there, there's the smoke of the camp. But to get there, were 400 elephants. <laughs> So I said to him, I said, this is going to take a long time to go all around this field. He said, no, we're going through. I said, how are we going through 400 elephants? African elephants, not those nice Indian ones. African, they're all upset. <laughs> and, and again, he said the words, and I, unrehearsed, he said, just follow me. He said, whatever I do, you do the same. And I crawled on my belly with elephant feet here and elephant feet there. And I got my eyes on that warden where he did, I did, we're going through. And the only thought I had, if ever I make it alive through this, it will be a jolly good story. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never forgotten that. Us... Christians, especially at this point in the 21st century, we've been told now we address those elephants that in the name of Jesus, they disappear, they go, they, and we just walk through the field. Whereas in Scripture, yea, though I walk, well, go on my belly <laughs> through a herd of elephants, I will fear no evil. 
because you are with me and you know what you're doing. Does that make any sense? I, Because I hear it all the time, all the time. If God is so good, why? Well, that's not the point. It's not the point. Human life is a contingency. You, you never know what's going to happen. That's humanity. That's who we is. But the fact is, God became us. Joined us at this flesh level, this brain level. He joined us, one with us, and brought with him the fullness of God who is good. So now at my human level, I can participate in the goodness of God. And we walk through. And it's the valley of the shadow of death. And the valley of the shadow of death is the valley of the shadow of death. But I'm different. I fear no evil. Why? What's got into you? Because you are with me. And you being with me, you are goodness. And you're ahead of me, behind me, under me, in me. And I arrive the other side and realize, where did that peace come from? Where, where did, and, and you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure you've had such experiences. Where it's afterwards, you, where did it come? How did I know to do that? And of course, if you're going to deny the goodness of God, you'll say, what a coincidence, you know. Yeah, boy, I was a lucky day. But, and he will just smile because he loves you enough. He's patient. One day you'll realize it was all his goodness. One day you'll realize you were attended by an army of good angels. But if you don't get it, he sticks with you. Because you remember, he owns his goodness. You can't buy it. So it's not your goodness that keeps it going. It's not even your realizing his goodness. You can act like an idiot and he still loves you. <laughs> and, and you go on through. That's that's the way it is. Um, well, there's quite a bit more to say. But time is gone. So we bless you. We praise you. We're amazed and we stand in wonder at your goodness. What is there to say, Father? You are the fount of all goodness, all goodness. And that has been revealed to us in Jesus, the word of your heart. And that is applied to us now through your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes and bring us to live and walk and move in your goodness. Surely, surely your goodness relentlessly pursues us and hugs us and embraces us all the days of our life. Amen. And amen. Amen.